Wizards of Drivel podcast. It's a hard-earned point for the Potters at the Hawthorns, more like the Bawthorns, am I right? (laughs) It's a frustrating afternoon for Stoke as, shock horror, Tony Pulis' side play negative long ball football that has the Sky audience searching for the remote. Elsewhere, Spurs can't win at Wembley, Arsenal wilt in a high-pressure game, and West Ham are still shit despite spending loads of money. I love the Premier League, it's so unpredictable. (laughs) Anyway, Peter Crouch's equaliser means at least one massive British landmark won't be silenced for the time being. So after four points from our opening three games, are we looking at a team that will once again return to its rightful ninth place? Will we ever beat Tony Pulis at whatever sport it is he plays? And just how much are we looking forward to the international break? Aside from the West Brom game, we'll be talking about progress for the Potters in the Carabao Cup and a potential new signing. Ben Cartwright has gone missing more effectively than Meza Ozil on a match day. So in his absence, <laughs> I'm joined by Zach. Hey, guys. And Chris is also here. Uh, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever you're listening to it. Hello. Uh, we'll just uh, rattle through some three-word reviews. Happy withdrawal, better than nothing, crouch for, crouch for England, I miss Arsenal, typical Pulis football, another shit ref, anti-football Pulis, take the point, Grass too long, Hughes's impact subs, and deserve the look. So, Chris, mm. did we deserve that point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely deserved it. Um, I'd probably put forward an argument to say that we maybe deserved more. Um, but but no, um, I, I thought we were, we were relatively solid today. Um, we obviously didn't do enough going forward. Um, a complaint that will haunt us forever, it would seem. But I don't know. I, I feel like we were we were good with the ball today. It was. Um, I, know, I know that West Brom sit back and let you have the ball, but I felt that we were we were cool in possession. We weren't um, sloppy at all. We were we were quite good at passing. Um, I thought we. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought we I thought we controlled the game game very well. It's that final third that always lets us down. But the the West Brom goal was the, really the only bit that at least I can think of where they truly threatened threatened us, and they they scored from it from a bit of shoddy defending on our part. Um, I mean, probably the, the 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 fair result would be a point for both sides. But I I thought we could have we could have done more and could have won it. Um, without question, yeah, we we definitely deserved to to have at least a point today, for sure. Um, obviously, the one change for the Potters was Martin Zindi coming into the side and uh, Jeff Cameron moving to right wing back. I'll be racist and ask the American about the American. Uh, what did you think of uh, Jeff Cameron uh, moving in that position? Does that? Um, well, I have to say, the game was on at 6.30 in the morning, so I did not watch it live. Uh, just went back and watched the replay a little while ago, and let me tell you that watching a replay of West Brom away already knowing this final score was incredibly tedious. Um, so I might not have been paying as much attention as I probably could have. I thought Jeff was... he was alright. Um, his crossing was fine. He... 
I don't know, he and Zuma both kind of fell asleep a little bit for that goal and uh, let Rodriguez get ahead of them. I mean, you know, Jeff is tidy on the ball. Honestly, I thought when Ramadan came on uh, to replace him at right wing back, he really uh, kind of like brightened up the attack. Uh, he's able to kind of, you know, move sideways across the pitch in a way that Jeff really can't. I think just because Ramadan's got a bit more pace, so it's easier for him to track back. Um, it all comes back to me talking about Ramadan at wing back. But yeah, Jeff was fine. I mean, it was going to be really tough to drop him after how well he's played, how well he played at Arsenal and Everton. And, you know, Juve got kind of caught out by those like little dinked balls over the top a lot at, uh, uh, against Arsenal. So I think maybe his, you know, defensive positioning was better, but still not like the, the pure wing back that we need if we're going to stick with the system. Yeah. If, um, if everyone was fit, what wing backs would you like to see? Everybody fit who's on the team as it stands? Yeah. Um, maybe Peters and Ramadan, or I guess, I mean, neither of them are, are proper wing backs, though. Again, I'll say David Zapacosta from Torino. He's available. <laughs> He's available. Kevin Crookshank. <laughs> I can tweet at you as many times as I want. <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely a great impact from ramadan and i'd definitely be tempted to see him there because he does like do do well like going defensively and it was like he's got an assist technically for the goal i suppose though it's more kind of higazi's fault than ramadan's uh chris like great impact from ramadan but does it just not highlight our need for wing backs which we've said all summer and pretty much every episode yeah, yeah, no, it definitely does, um, and it it's still very interesting that that is not a uh, a position that we seem to be wanting to address. Um, again, I can only assume that Hughes thinks that the players that we have are good enough to play that role, and maybe it's something he would look to address in the future. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, answering the same question you asked Zach, I I still think Juf goes back in that right wing-back role at the moment because um, he got caught out last week, but I do think that he has consistently been decent in that role. Um, and so he gets to go back into that uh, that role for me um, as soon as he's back from his whatever his knock is. Um, but yeah, it would be very, very nice for us to try and at least go for um, some more wing-backs. Interestingly enough, though, um, and I know we're going to speak about the Rochdale game later but um it was interesting in midweek that peter's played out right and timon played on the left and that seemed granted it's a, a poorer opposition but that seemed to do some good stuff and I've ne- i never thought about playing peter's out on the right wing so interesting i mean Ram- again ramadan does it does a good job granted we've seen him in a few cameos but i mean there's there's a lot of options there's a lot of options mm. that none none of them are perfect right wing backs but at least there's things to explore. Yeah. Our ability to create chances is coming for some criticism today. I mean, obviously it's West Brom and, you know, you know what they're like. They're just going to stick 10 men behind the ball and lump it up to Rondon and then hopefully create something. And it was annoying the the one chance they did create, they scored from. Um, what did you make of our forward three then? Uh, Hesse and Shakiri played... Uh, either side of Chupo Moting, who once again started as that central striker. And he's kind of divided opinions. A couple of people uh, replying to Wizards of Dribble 
gave him their Stoke Man of the Match award. Whereas I thought he just didn't look like a striker. So, uh, Zach, what did you make of Chupo? I think I'd agree with you there. I think he played well, and I like him, but I think he played better in the second half when Crouch came up top and uh, Chupo moved to that kind of left-forward wing in Hesse's spot. Um, I mean, you know, we've we've always been, or not always, but in the last 18 months or so, we've been pretty toothless going forward. Um, that's go- always going to be, like, especially apparent against West Brom away, um, just because of the way they set up their defense. Um, yeah, I think I like. I think Chupa was was more effective when he kind of had the had some space and room on the ball to dribble around a little bit. He wasn't really doing a lot, uh, getting on the end of end of crosses in the box. Um, I think maybe I'd like to see him and him and Hesse switch if that's going to be our front three and uh, get Chupa on the left so he can use his dribbling a bit more and then have uh, Hesse making some runs behind. Yeah, I think the reason Chupo's been playing there is because he's perhaps more physical than Hesse, and he thought he might be able to have more of a contest with uh, the West Brom centre-backs. but cannot agree yeah, with I, agree. I don't know why we haven't, yeah, why we haven't yeah. learned that. It, well, exactly. And that was the question I was going to come on to. How do we beat Pulis? We've, we've been scratching our heads about it for a while. And, you know, no matter what kind of system we play, no matter what players, are we just doomed to just never beat him, Chris? No. Uh, well, I mean... Probably yes, but the, I mean the the way the way that you have to beat the Tony Pugh this side is you your side has to be technically better than his side is defensively, and we saw that when he was at Stoke. The teams that um, suffered against us, oh no, the teams that did well against us at home were the ones who could match up with us on a physical level, but technically could outdo us. And you know, no matter how good we were defensively, they could pull us out of positions. And and I mean. You could just argue we didn't have that quality today. We didn't have um, the, the the people moving around up front, dragging people out of position. West Brom were well organised and we knew that that was always going to be the case. But for, for all our possession, we couldn't find that one clever pass that, you know, accurate, breaking their defence. Um, which is a shame. But I, again, I mean, that is just purely down to quality of players. I thought it was very interesting uh, that Shakiri played relatively deeper though today, dictating... Uh, play he was definitely that more advanced playmaker which is a role that I feel suits him and against teams who are not as well organized as West Brom I think that will pay dividends to us I think that will be a really really good thing but um, it's just one it's just one of those things West Brom are very well organized you have to be on top of your game to break them down and we we just weren't to take advantage of that today um, yeah I agree that cheap emoting I, I thought he was up there physically trying to, you know, imprint his physicality on people. But I, I don't think that worked too much. I think we needed something a bit more clever. Um, f- funnily enough, it was a Peter Crouch-headed goal that won it. So, well, not won it, drew it. So, but... uh, so here's my theory to beat West Brom. So last year they beat us. We went ahead and signed their captain, Darren Fletcher. We drew them this year. Next summer, we signed Jake Livermore. 2018, we're going we're gonna to beat them. It's going to happen. We just, we just have to keep signing West Brom's captain until we just demoralize them completely. And that's how we're going to beat That's how we're gonna beat Tony Pulis' West Brom. Perhaps that's what Saido Berahino was for. Perhaps we just wanted to kind of unsettle them, but clearly we chose the wrong player to do that. Um, who... Um, We'll move on to the kind of de- defenders then. Um, 
obviously not put under too much pressure in terms of uh, open play by the West Brom players, but we finally saw the uh, what I've christened the Duck Magazine back three of Bruno, Shawcross and Zuma. Um, I've seen calls online for Zuma to play as a midfielder and as a wing back, and both of you are shaking your heads at me right now, uh, Chris. Um, what is the back three going forward? Bruno, Ryan Shawcross, and Kurt Zuma. I I, I don't un, I like like I to to be understanding. I I get why people feel that Kurt Zuma should or could play in a defensive midfield role. I understand that they think that he, they saw him good going forward today, and that he. Um, can leave a physical imprint on midfield. I, I understand that completely. But Kurt Zuma is a, a defender and he has really improved our defence. I don't know why you would take him out of that to put him in a, in a different position on a potential whim that he will... that that will work for us. Um, again, I, I don't want to go too far into it, but I do just feel it's... That we we're, we're very uneasy with the idea of a defender who likes to play out too much from the back, who likes to run with the ball, and so if that d- defender does do that, then they should instantly go in midfield. I I was having a discussion on Twitter with someone who was saying that Kurt Zuma is clumsy and dozy in defence, and therefore he should be put in midfield. Which, I mean, I, I my response was, I'm sorry, I I just don't agree with that. Yes, he was. He he definitely could have done better for the goal today, but he he's a young player and every player is allowed to make mistakes and they will make mistakes. I don't think you can you can judge him on that. He's he's a very very good defender and no no I don't want him in midfield. I want him in defence. He's been yeah, brilliant I mean, there. Zuma's pace was one of the big plus points of signing him in, in the first place, wasn't it? We thought, right, Ryan Shawcross is getting older. If we have Martin Zindi, who's 25, and Zuma, who's, how old is Zuma? Uh, 23, 24? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have Zuma there as well, we've got pace either side who can like make those last-ditch challenges. And we've seen them from Zuma already. He's made some really good tackles. I agree with you, Chris. I don't get why we're wanting to unsettle something that we haven't even had chance to see yet. If further down the season, the back, this back three isn't working, fair enough, try something different. But I just don't understand it for the moment. I was going to say, this is going back to the wing-back issue, as it tends to, but there were a couple moments in the game where Zuma played these incredible diagonal balls to uh, to Eric Peters from you know, 50, 60-yard balls all the way across the pitch, and there wasn't a lot that Peter could do, Peters could do with them, but I was just imagining like what would happen if we had a wing back with a bit more pace, who was a bit better at crossing, who could just like get on the ends of these incredible balls from Zuma, put some stuff into the box. Um, I think Zuma is like dangerous enough from the back. Um, you know, he can he can dribble up, he can take some shots, or at least he's, he, at least he's trying to take shots. He's really good on the ball. He's fast enough to get back and make these great tackles. Like if it's don't bro, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I, he's great. He's he's our best defender right now. I don't know why you'd want to mess with that. Um, in in that midfield issue, then I think this might be part of the reason why people have suggested Zuma for midfield is uh, we don't seem to have a lot of cover there. We didn't have a midfielder on the bench against Arsenal, and we had Charlie Adam on the bench today. Do we think that we need a midfielder in? 
I think I think Joe Allen was a bit anonymous today. Um, you know, he was great at Rochdale, but again, that was Rochdale. We can talk about that later. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like the reason that people want Zuma in the midfield is that he he can drive forward a bit because we don't seem to have that right now. Somebody playing alongside uh, Fletcher. I don't know if this Fabian Delph link is real or is ever going to happen. It feels like we've been linked with him for like two years now. But um, maybe uh, somebody who can impose themselves on the game a bit more than than Joe Allen has uh, would be helpful. Darren Fletcher is still fantastic, though. He was he was my man of the match. He has been, I think, all season so far. I suppose I suppose the question really is for Joe Allen: what is his what is his role in this team? Like when when they are setting out this system, what is he told to do? Because at the moment, I'm. I'm assuming that it, Darren Fletcher is the person who holds and controls and Joe Allen is supposed to be that almost box-to-box midfielder um, who, to employ the, the, the Chelsea analogy, he's the, the Kante. He's the energetic player who's supposed to press and win the ball in different areas of the pitch. And I'm not sure he does that. Um Equally, that's me. But just, I'm making that you, up. I don't know if that is his role. You, you can't fault him for oh, energy. Oh, no. God, no, no. no. He, he certainly he, he, he does a lot of that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. he, 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 hassles, he hassles players. And what he doesn't do is kind of convert that into uh, tackles. and yeah. he, he doesn't win a lot of tackles. So he's, he's kind of half a Kante in that sense. And half a Kante is still pretty good. Yeah. But it's, it's just uh, what is... What is that position for long term is it for like you said a, a, a energetic bundle of energy player or do we want something more from it like maybe like a playmaker type like adam or imbula uh, just two examples off the top of my head well i mean um, you, you you say that but then in rochdale in the rochdale game we're playing the same same system fletcher was replaced with charlie adam so i don't know if you sees charlie adam as the 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 person who plays when Fletcher doesn't in that more deeper line role, but still a, still a playmaker. I, I mean, for me, I think that Joe like the the Joe Allen role is that energetic player who goes in and around the pitch. Yeah, sure, creates things, but from what I was seeing today, I feel that Shakiri is the person who's been put been told to be the main playmaker in the team, or at least that's the impression I got. Um, so um, you're right, you're right, Joe Allen didn't do anything in particular wrong it's just yeah the tackling side of things he doesn't he doesn't really seem to do um i don't know if fabian delf changes that um mm. that's that's the question for another another topic i don't i imagine well it's a question for if he actually signs i suppose so um uh this i think this is our last league game before the window shuts isn't it so um i'm intrigued to know what mark hughes is going to do um, in the interest of being balanced for no particular reason, uh, can we have uh, one positive and one negative from uh, each of you uh, from the game today? Um, okay, positive. Um, like I said, I think Ramadan looked really great when he came on. Um, that was yeah, he looked he looked you know good moving forward, tracked back really well. He's strong. He can you know shove people off the ball. Um, negatively. Like, what if that's the last time we see Ryan Shawcross as a starting center back? That ma- that makes me very sad. Ooh, that's yeah. Well, 
we'll we'll touch on that later when we talk about Kevin Vimmer. Chris, <laughs> yes. Chris, positive, negative? Yeah, uh, I mean, um, a positive for me uh, was the fact that that's now four points out of the first three games, and that is something that I did not predict us getting, uh, or I didn't, uh, I didn't think we would get when uh, the season started. Um, to come away from the Arsenal game with a win and this one with a with a point when it could easily have been another Tony Pulis shit house loss. Um, that's very very decent. Negative to me is just um, that ball to the final third. We for all our for all our possession for all our control in the game we still just lack that. It's almost like the the, the daring to take a risk on movement up front. We're not when we we just aren't cutting up front and. That's something we we need to really work on. One more thing I'll say is that I liked how we went down a goal and then we came back and we equalized. Um, If this was last season, we would have gone up a goal and then we would have conceded in hilarious fashion. Um, Last season, like we didn't come back from being down to win a single time, and that's not what happened today still. But the fact that like we didn't give up last year, there were a lot of moments where it seemed the team would get demoralized when they went down. And uh, today they, you know, they they played tough. They never they never gave up, and they and they got that they got us that point. So I I actually think as well. Obviously, he made the change to make Crouch come on after we conceded. But I thought we played a lot better after we'd conceded. It was almost like the the kick up the backside that we needed. We played faster, and we were putting West Brom under the under pressure at that point. So yeah, we we definitely pulled everything together when uh, when we went yeah, to pull down. Yeah, um, I think for for a negative, I'll be I'll be slightly different because my, my, my negative was uh, not creating chances but I think the referee was uh, a, a major gripe for me I, I don't think like oh he made like majorly bad decisions I think both our penalty shouts were a bit soft um, and I certainly if they'd have been given against us I would have been completely losing it but did you see the corner where the corner came in and the ref blew the whistle after the corner had come in so everyone stopped <laughs> In the first half, like, like, how can you be a referee and not know how to use a whistle? And and aside from that, he was like, not helping. What was a pretty awful game uh, in general, just like stopping for fouls every other minute. It's like try and let this game flow. I know it's Pulis against Hughes, but try and let some kind of football come out. Uh, yeah, but big positive was was Crouchy. And like, you can't not like the guy, can you? You just. He just always pops up with. Uh, it seems to me like eighty to ninety percent of our shit house goals come through Crouchy, and you've got to love him for that. He just mm-hmm. right place, right time. Um, I really, I really enjoyed how the goal he scored today. It probably would have been easier for him to have scored it with his foot, but he, but he <laughs> like contorted his body into this really unnatural position just so he could score with his head, just so he could extend that record over, over Alan Shearer. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, that's yes. really petty, and I really like that. I respect that. Uh, and I'm thinking, like Zach said, you know, last season we would have gone down, and it, or we would have led a goal and then, like, given one up with a extraordinary circumstances. Last year, it would have been us who kicked the ball into the path of the opposition striker. That would have been us who would uh, have done um, a West Brom. So, yes, good times, good times. <laughs> Right, we'll move on to the quote-unquote breaking news uh, from our man in the know, John Percy, uh, who's said uh, that Kevin Vimmer is on his way to Stoke uh, Medical t- tomorrow. Uh, fee could rise to 
up to £18 million, just shy of our transfer record. Um, what the hell? What the hell? Like... Um, we we thought we we thought we had a back three that was going to sort us for the rest of the season. We thought everything was going to be hunky dory, but another centre back. What the hell's going on, Chris? <laughs> we um, just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Just leave it there. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the the fear the fear would be that um, this is Stoke preparing for Ryan Shawcross to leave, which would be. I, well, I, I think that would be a huge, huge error on our part. I'm, I mean, I'm happy with the dis, with the decision if it is Vimmer coming in, being a, I, I want to say a rotation option, but I, I mean he's going to have been promised game time. I'm imagining that Hughes will rotate the squad a bit more this season, but I, I'm happy with it if he's coming in and then he is the first choice option when Zuma goes back next season. Um, it's a, I mean, I was going to say it's a lot of money, but in the current climate... Money doesn't mean anything anymore. Money is... money. It's like Weimar Germany in the Premier League now. Just People just dumping <laughs> shitloads of cash outside your door. And it was, and it was like... They're, they're doing it in wheelbarrows. It like, oh, it's 100 million. Oh, 200 million. Oh, fine. Whatever. We'll pay it. We're all loaded. Jazz, jazz music playing. Everyone smoking four cigarettes at a time. <laughs> Yeah, but if if it if it was Weimar oh, Germany, yeah. like fascism would be on the rise and stuff. Oh damn it! <laughs> the Reichstag's on fire, y'all. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, I think Wimmer is he he was he was very good at, at Cologne during his last season there. Um, obviously, for whatever reason, he's it's not worked out at Spurs. He's not really been the the more than a bit part player which is a shame for him he was seen as a very talented player um i mean he's still young he is he is still young and obviously we have shawcross who is what is he 30 now i, I mean i think he is um and so we we need a bit of youth in the team i mean there's other the, the other thing is maybe volshide's yes. off this i think he is uh, this week definitely yeah and, and then that puts us back to the same position of well, if God forbid one of our back three gets injured, who do you play in that position? Um, we, we're still. I want to say we're light there, but we're we're not in the sense we want to we want to have a consistent eleven. But it would only take one player to be injured, and we are down into a, a dodgy situation. So a player like Kevin Vimmer coming in is is quality. I have no idea how we would play him in terms of whether it would be he goes straight in the starting lineup. I know a lot of people are saying, well, for the amount of money we're spending, that's what you would assume. But again, money means absolutely nothing at this point. So I I am for the transfer. I liked him as a player before he went to Spurs. Um, but it is a very, it's very odd timing. Something Something that I was thinking is that I think there might be the possibility of uh, Chelsea recalling Zuma like they did with uh, Nathan Ake last year at Burnmouth. Um, if, you know, Zuma, I mean, Zuma's playing fantastic. I mean, it's a possibility we'd be caught without yeah, him. You... But, yeah, it's, it's, this isn't me necessarily agreeing with the choice of the transfer, but me just trying to understand it, I guess. You, you would hope that, um, given that we've supposedly spent like millions of pounds just for this loan deal that we have put a do not recall option in there 
or, or do or do not recall clause in there because um, if Chelsea lose a defender and recall him, there's going to be a lot of people like baying for Tony Skull's blood. Uh, so you you hope that uh, we're definitely keeping Bruno for the seat, uh, not Bruno um, Zuma for the season. Um, I, I'm quietly positive about this transfer because I do I do yeah. think we need four good centre halves uh, for these three positions if we're going to like last the season. And I don't consider Walshai to be good enough. And I, whilst Jeff. Uh, and whilst Jeff can play there, I see him as a better backup right wing back or midfielder than a backup centre half. I mean, yeah, Wimmer is 24. He's an Austrian international. The Spurs fans that I've talked to really, really rate him. Um, they say he's a really good guy, really good uh, personality for the dressing room. And it's not that he like went to Spurs and failed or that he was bad. He's just not as good as Alderweireld or Vertonghen, which... Yeah. That's a really, really high bar. Like, those are two of the best center backs in the Premier League. Um, the fact that you know he's 24, he didn't want to sit on the bench behind maybe the best center back pairing in the league. He wants to go get some minutes, and like it's tough to blame him. I think I think Spurs fans wish that he would stay as depth, but they understand why he's too young, he's too good, he doesn't want to you know waste his prime years mm. uh, on the bench. So. Yeah. I think I think it's a move that makes sense. I just don't know what we do with Shawcross. Yeah, the th- that that's the big thing. I mean, I've read reports that Shawcross will sign a new contract, but I've also read reports that uh, Ryan Shawcross is asking for too much money, and he wants to be like among Stoke City's top owners. Um, and it's and it's a really hard one uh, to to suss out. Like of those four centre halves, providing we sign Vimmer, which we look like we are. You've got to pick your best three. You can't really have room for sentiment, I suppose. So if Vimmer is better than Shawcross now, then you obviously have to play him. But I don't know but I don't know if he is better yeah. than Shawcross now. Because I, I still think Ryan Shawcross is really good but, and he's the captain and all the rest of it. So uh, it's it's gonna be uh, interesting. I guess it's better to have good players competing for a spot than to not have good players. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's not a terrible problem to have it's just how do you how do you it's pick his choice i mean uh, yeah it's that question he clearly wants first team football so i do just wonder what has mark hughes promised him or what has the team said i mean if he if he's coming here and he has been told that you know there's, there's four good center backs here you're going to be one of them we play a back three you'll get game time but it's not guaranteed bloody blah, blah that's that's a good and and he's still chosen us, chosen us over other teams who are after him and who can probably promise him a, a guaranteed first place spot. Then that's a good thing on our part. It means we are able to convince players of the vision of Stoke still, at least, and and that's a good thing because I did kind. I think there was a fear that we were losing that touch and Stoke. Where where were, where were we heading? And at least if players can still buy into an idea, then that's a good thing. Also, Chris, you mentioned this before. What is Kevin Vimmer's father's name? He's called Wolfgang Wimmer, and that's the. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's real yeah. good. That makes me. That makes so... me feel better about us not signing a player named Bjorn. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, because I really want Bjorn Engels. Because I think uh, we we need an Engels in the team just to uh, cheer up the St. Pauli lot. Well, <laughs> signing Austrian internationals always works out in the long run for Stoke, anyway. So uh, happy, happy days on that one. <laughs> um, speaking of 
transfers before the window shuts in. If I give you, if I asked you uh, for two positions, like assuming we've signed Vimmer, uh, two positions that we would strengthen. Um, what are your two uh, two areas of the pitch? And you can't just say wing back. You have to say the right wing back, left wing back. So Chris, two positions. Um, oh gosh, that's really really difficult. Right wing back. I think because I, as much as I love Chief there, um, I, I'd like a player who has played that position before. That would be nice. Um, and mid, midfielder, uh, namely a, a dynamic midfielder who is um, who 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 has who's energetic and run around the pitch and also um, decent. Uh, that's a, that, basically <laughs> I, I want. I want, want a good Kante. player. Oh, a de- oh, a decent yeah. player, a decent player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> basically, Angolo Kante, please. But um, someone who's someone in like that, I think. There, I mean, <laughs> okay. a, a lot, a lot. I, I, again, a lot of this though depends on who we get rid of because if there was a lot of talk of that Bojan is gone or going, and if he goes, then my prior- priority is to get another one of that type of players because. Um, because I don't know, I, I feel once Shakiri goes down, and you have Ramadan in, I don't know, I don't know what I want. <laughs> I don't want. I just don't want Bojan to leave. Um. All right. I guess I would say also a right wing back. Um. And then. I think like a a a powerful imposing striker. Mm. Um, like uh, a victory, uh, Vincent Janssen, uh, an Islam Slimani. Not just because it would be fun to have a player called Islam and a player called Ramadan, <laughs> but just because, just because I guess I'm, I don't know if, if I'm confident in, in Berahino no. as much as I want to be. And I guess I don't know if Hughes is either. Like, why did he not play against Rochdale if we're just trying to get him some goals for confidence? Like, we, we, were, we were after him for two and a half years, and he didn't play today. He didn't play midweek. Mm-hmm. Does, does, Hughes, does Hughes still <laughs> trust him after kind of like... Mm. You know, putting all his eggs in that I mean, basket. I mean, really, I a good choice of a striker in the system would have been Hosselu, but uh, we know where that's gone. So who? Yeah, who? I don't know. So. Oh, isn't he Newcastle striker? Who's yeah, yeah, yesterday? yeah, yeah. That that guy. Did he used to play for Stoke? Huh. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I actually, do you know what? I do agree. I do feel like this system up front, you almost need a, a striker who is strong as well as pacey. Um, mm. So that yeah, that's a good shout. So would that be what your third you, choice, Chris? Yeah. What would you do? What would you buy, Dave? Um, I'm I'm bit gonna be boring and also say a right wing back. Um, oh. because the uh, I think I think of it in a good light for Juve as well because that frees him up to be a backup centre forward option as well as a backup right wing back option. Um, and also I think we have more cover on the left side anyway. Uh, Peters, I'm still on the fence about. I didn't think he had his best game today. But you can have potentially Ramadan playing there and we've got Tymon coming through as well. And He's had a man of the match display against Rochdale. But um, right wing back, definitely. And, and yeah, it's... Have, it, have we been... Go on. I was going to say, have, have we been linked with any right wing backs? I think the only wing back we've been even loosely linked with is Kieran Gibbs, and he plays on mm. the left. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. if this is a problem that Hughes can see in the squad. 
even though everybody else seems to be able to see it as like a, a, a weak position. Yeah, I, I've no idea if Marquis wants wants to sign one or not. Um, certainly, the, with regards to the players we've been linked with, we've, we've, we've been linked with centre-halves, midfielders and strikers, so straight down the middle of the pitch, which does seem a bit crazy to me. Having said that, I think I would also uh, pick a midfielder as well because of that strength and depth argument I mentioned before. We don't really have anyone uh, beyond Allen and Fletcher. I'm not a fan of Charlie Adam. I think Imbula will go this window. Um, but th- yeah, there's a case for a striker as well, isn't there? And there's a case for a left wing back. Um, and the ca- there's a case for n- another one of those Hesse-type floaty players as well, uh, just to give a, a bit more uh, more options. There's a case for a goalkeeper, because what if Jack Butland gets injured and we've only got Lee Grant? There's a case for another centre-half. What if we have five centre-halves and just play like West Brom? And... <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. It's, it's... I, when, when do you, you think... Like... Do you, do you... Sorry. I was gonna... When you've said it like that, I think that actually... Whilst obviously wing-back is something we want to sort, I think actually midfield is the area that is severely lacking because, yeah, Imbulo will be will be gone and I don't want to see Charlie Adam come in if one of Darren Fletcher or Joe Allen goes down. So who who else is there? I mean, you, well, I've just Affleck. thought you, you, you are forgetting Affleck and Stephen Island. I was Stephen about to Island. say, yeah. So oh, yeah. we are, we're sorted. We're sorted in that position. No, I do. I think that that is something we would love to do. And it, it's interesting that now the two players who we're linked with is Vimmer and Fabian Delph, and that is that would signal that that's kind. Well, the the signals coming are that that's the only two bits of business we would then conduct before the end of the window. So we're not after a wing back, guys. Zach, your uh, message isn't getting through clear enough. Mm. Shall yeah. we? Shall we? David Zappacaster. Yeah. One day I'll come for you. Shall we have a prediction then? After Vimmer, how many players will we sign? One. one. Yeah, I'm going for one as well. All right, I'm going to be optimistic and say three, but there will also be Whoa! a de- <laughs> there will also be a departure as well. So, who? Um, but they're all who centre are we backs. Who going to get though, Dave? Do you have any predictions on who it is? Do you have any um, in the no information? Well, as as we proved by our Dominic. Telford, uh, <laughs> no, no, in the in the no, uh, in the no we, does it work? We we are we are very much clued in, and we we do know all the transfers before they're we, going to happen. So we were we were half right with the Dominic Telford one. We were half right. He did go he on, did go on loan. Rovers, and he did go to a Rovers. It just wasn't the right Rovers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think we will. Uh, sign a player that we we haven't even been linked with so far there'll be a player comes in last minute completely under the radar and we'll go wow and then that'll be us for the season um um, wow (laughs) i can't i can't wait to say wow (laughs) oh i love it i hope that that's when we sign that player that is the official like twitter reaction of wizards of drivel hashtag wow wow. (laughs) Um, uh, right before we go we'll just briefly talk about Rochdale uh, our 4-0 hammering of the Spotland outfit we absolutely took them to the cleaners they should be embarrassed to visit us again what a just humiliation for the Dale 
Oh God. They, oh. Um, <laughs> Part of me just wants us to get relegated to League One so we can just batter them, stomp, stomp other clubs every week. That was really enjoyable. <laughs> we we scored four goals, <laughs> uh, but Chris, did we learn anything useful from that game? Um. No. <laughs> right, Zach. No, 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 no. You know what? We I think we learned that um, this year we are a bit more. We're concentrating more when it comes to these games because, like, last year was it Hull in the first round last year, and we went out and we we mm. suffered against Luton before, and God, uh, we beat Stevenage. We beat. <laughs> that is Stevenage. very true. That is true. But I mean, the, these early rounds, especially early in the season, often have been a bit of a, a slippery one for for Stoke as a club. I mean, God, I remember being there at, uh, losing to Paolo De Canio Swindon Town, and that was an bloody awful. Oh. It was a cold night. And it was rubbish, and Paolo Di Canio was there, and I hate him. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was good that it was a professional performance, and it was good to see um, the, some of the youngsters play. Timon, as you say, man of the match performance, great to see him um, play, and it does give me a bit more confidence that should anything happen, and he comes into the team, he he's he's competent at least. That's what I learnt, Dave. What about <laughs> you? That's what we strive for. Competence. I bloody love it when we're competent. Um, high bar. It's a real high bar. Uh, what did I learn? Ramadan can score goals. He stuck a goal in the goal. Hell yeah, he yes. can. Get in his there, first, Ramadan. His first goal for Stoke. It was a really good yeah. one, too. Rounding the keeper. Boyan threaded the needle, rounded the keeper. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've learnt that. Peter Crouch is a f- bit of a flat track bully and I like it. He does seem to score in these <laughs> kinds of games. Um, what else has got? Charlie Adam. I've got to you know, give credit where credit's due. Played some absolute pingers. Uh, so, yeah, all good. All good. I, Take I that, Rochdale. Another, I thought of another thing I learned. I learned that Peter Crouch has his wife ready on Twitter to tweet if he's going to score. <laughs> <laughs> like, Abby, Abby, if I score, right, just just have this lined up so, you know, people will call it, say it'll be great banter. Like, is it just like indirecting the club every time uh, yeah, he yeah, scores? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Oh, good then. Um, well, that's it for the Wizards of Dribble podcast. A reminder that you can get two extra podcasts a month by pledging a small amount of money on Patreon. We'll be looking to do more preview episodes on there with opposition fans after our West Brom episode with Nathan seemed to go down well. So uh, we'll have some exclusive interviews up there shortly as well. So uh, look out for them. If you want to help us out without parting with any cash, the easiest thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on iTunes. There'll be prizes available... Chris, come up with some prizes quick uh, for <laughs> reviews for reviews which reference obscure Stoke players of the late nineties. That's my new decree. <laughs> so anything in the ballpark of Dean Crow, uh, Kyle Lightbourne, <laughs> you, uh, Ben Petty, that kind of player, um, get them in your iTunes review and, and win some uh, prizes that we we'll, we've got in the pipeline. Uh, or else just spread the word on social media and it's at Wizards of Drivel on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel where Gareth Cooper keeps digging out great Stoke related videos. So give us a like on there. And we're now on Instagram under Wizards of Drivel podcast. Thank you to Devon here for our theme tune. I think we'll be back next week in some form or another. So look out for that. 
And finally, thank you, Chris. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Dave. Go on, Stoke.